Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our West Conway campus. Thanks for listening. I just want to give you a quick update. Y'all know um, I have a two-year-old baby girl named Sadie Mae Delacruz, and Sadie is awesome, all right? Even though she was born in Tennessee, she's quickly adjusting to the Arkansas lifestyle, all right? Um, or, or the country lifestyle, maybe I should really say, the, the, this country girl. So we have in our backyard, because it's rained so much, um, a giant mud puddle in our backyard, right? Our backyard doesn't drain. I don't know why it just doesn't drain. And so we have a big mud pit. And the other day, we're outside. It's kind of hanging out, and I looked over to see my baby girl's clothes um, on the ground, okay? Um, she had them on, uh, now they're on the ground, next to her diaper that she had on, but now it's on the ground as well, to look over and see her playing in the mud, all right? And she said, Dada, I love mud. Right, and so quickly adjusting to the country girl, Arkansas girl lifestyle, I guess. I don't know, but she's loving it out here. But here's my, my favorite thing to do with Sadie, all right? Um, I, when I was a little kid, I loved building with blocks, big towers, as big as I can make them. And I was really excited for when Sadie got into that. And she is, right now she's like, she's into building things, Legos, blocks. And so my goal, um, and maybe I get a little too into it more than I should be, but my goal is I want to see how big I can build this tower, right? But I'll know um, as much as kids like to build things, they also love to do what? Destroy them, right? And so um, I know that when I build this, I have to keep Sadie distracted um, on something else so that I can keep this thing going. So no, I kid you not, um, I had a tower. It was really cool. I had a Lego block here, and we're like adding different blocks to it. And I pick Sadie up and like throw her over there in the corner, throw a ball to distract her, and then build it. And then I got distracted for a moment. Uh, I started looking for a block, and I look back. Sadie's not there. Okay. Once again, where is Sadie? I look over, she's standing by my tower, or my tower, not our tower, right? Um, with her hand like this, and goes, Dad, Dad, watch. And with one swipe, knocked it down, all right? I mean, just completely destroyed everything that I, I just built, all right? Um, find your way, I, I promise there's a connection here, find your way to 1 Kings chapter 8. In 1 Kings chapter 8, we see Solomon, this young king who knows from watching his dad and knowing this, the history of his ancestors that a couple things are true. Number one, God is a faithful, loving God, right? There's this covenant between God and his people that uh, I will love you, I will bless you, I'll protect you, you stay devoted to me, and God will always remain faithful to that. But he also knows that God calls his people to a life of devotion, to be devoted to following him, to keeping, to keeping um, his commands, to living a life of obedience. And, and as any king does, Solomon wants to be a good king, and he understands that without God's help and without his people, without, uh, for himself, if they don't have this devotion to God, everything they've built in a worldly standard, in a, in a worldly perspective, in this mission, everything they built will come crashing down if they're not fully devoted to God. And chapter eight is this 
really long passage. We're going to like really focus in on um, the bottom part of this prayer. Um, Solomon's um, praying this prayer of dedication to the temple. Um, but at the end, he, he has these requests that I believe as he prayed thousands of years ago, as we read them, we're going to see how, man, we need these very same things in our life today. Uh, and so I'm super excited. Um, uh, uh, let's, let's pray, and then we're going to dig into uh, some of Solomon's prayer. Y'all ready? Even if you weren't, we're doing it anyways. Let's pray. Um, God, first of all, we love you, and we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Um, God, I'm thankful for how you moved in the 8 o'clock service this morning, and God, I'm praying that you would do it again right now. God, I don't know where everyone stands with you as far as a relationship goes, but Lord, I know that you love every single person in this room. You love every single person watching online, and God, I pray that today they would hear your words and that they would follow after you, God. I pray for us as believers that we would hear these requests from Solomon um, and, and then evaluate our own life to see where we stand with you, God, and that we would walk in repentance, Father. Um, God, I pray that you use me as a big microphone. God, I pray that you move once again, God. Just something we pray, everybody said, amen. Go ahead and find your way to 1 Kings chapter 8, starting in verse 57. Here are some of the prayer requests that Solomon is um, um, praying to God. Verse 57 starts out, uh, or the first request we see is, May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our ancestors. May he not abandon us or leave us. This, this prayer request that he has is that God's presence would be evident in their life that the presence of God would be active and felt among him in his life, in his kingdom, and everyone that, that is a, a follower of God, that they would feel the power and presence of God, that they would know that God won't leave them. See, Solomon knew that God's active presence would, is the literal driving force of everything that they're trying to accomplish in life, that without God's active presence, they won't accomplish anything. They won't accomplish anything. And here's the deal. We are not the people of Israel, but the same thing applies to us today. Listen to me. Without God's presence in your life, you cannot do anything. The Bible tells us that over and over and over. That the power and presence of God changes everything. Now, the difference between the nation of Israel and Solomon and us today, this side of, uh, of the gospel, is, is that we don't have to go to a temple to be in the presence of God. That the Bible says that when you repent, when you turn away from your sins and you surrender your life to Jesus, the moment that you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, the Bible says the Holy Spirit makes his home within you. That you don't have to go chasing God's presence. He's with you always. Matter of fact, in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, it says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, that you are not your own, that you have been bought with a price. So glorify God through your body. Y'all, that's huge. That's something to celebrate, that we as Christians have the upper hand on everyone else in this entire world, that the presence of God is constantly with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's for us, not against us. When it's hard, he's there. When it's good, he's there. When we don't know, he's there. That is something to celebrate as Christians. No one else in the whole world has that, and yet it's being offered to everybody in the world. So, so Solomon prays this prayer for God's presence 
to be in their life. Guys, I, I, in my own personal um, time with the Lord, I'm reading through the book of Acts right now. And uh, man, this, it's cool. This time that I'm reading through, I'm seeing just how key it is for um, as these believers are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like it's, the Spirit's like pushing them forward. As they're walking in the Spirit, um, the Bible will say things like, and they were filled with the, with the Spirit, and then boom, something amazing happens, and everyone around them goes, man, God is awesome. And it's, it's this driving force with the early church, and Solomon knows that the, the presence of God is also the driving force in their life. And, and so Christians, like my, my second family, I just want to ask you a, a question. How, how much of God's presence are you seeking on a daily basis? If we know this biblical truth that God's presence is powerful and that we sing songs, Lord, I need you, how much of, of, of God's presence in your life, how much of the Holy Spirit's guiding force and power are you seeking on a daily basis? Because I promise you, it's a game changer. It is a game changer when you sit in the presence of God, when you spend time in prayer and in the word, when you spend time quieting yourself, which is really hard for me to do, to listen to the Holy Spirit, to ask God, God, guide me. It is a game changer. So Solomon starts out, God, please, we, we, we want to know that you are, are with us and that you'll never leave us or abandon us. But he, he's praying this because he knows that it's needed. So look at the second thing that, that he promises. Look at verse 58. He says, so, so we, we want this presence so that he causes us to be devoted to him, to walk in all his ways and to keep his commands, statutes, and ordinances, which he has commanded our ancestors. So what is he praying for? He's praying, God, you have to give us a desire to follow your will. God, if you're, you, we, we want your presence in our lives, we want to be a devoted follower of you, but we know on our own, we're not gonna be able to do that. God, you have to cause this, this devotion in our heart. Can, can we just be honest for a second? Um, it is not in our human nature to submit and obey. Amen? Right? You all agree with me? I'm sure, yeah, some of y'all nodding your heads. It is not in our human nature. Matter of fact, I, we have, we think we're good parents, all right, Lucy and I. We have never taught Sadie to disobey. That girl just knows it naturally. You know what I'm saying? Like taking her diaper off and playing in the mud just came natural to her, right? I didn't have to teach her that. All right, Arkansas might have influenced it, but it's in her, that girl's nature, right? It, it, it's in our nature to want to do what we want versus submitting to somebody else's rules and commands for our life. How do I know that's true? Um, I don't know about you. I want to be fit. I want to be healthy, right? And, and last night there was a couple Nutter Butters in the cabinet, right? And I thought, I'm not going to eat those, right? I, I want to be fit. But then my human nature kicked in and goes, one nutter butter is not that bad. How many did I eat? Don't worry about it. But it wasn't good, all right? Like my, my rebellion side kicked in and I ate all them mugs, all right? We don't have any more nutter butters in our pantry. I don't even know how they got there in the first place. But it, it's not our human nature to, to submit, to obey. And Solomon's saying, God, cause us. Give us this, this desire to be obedient to you. 
Paul talks about this all the time in his letters where he says things like, the things that I want to do, I don't do those things. The things I don't want to do, those are the things that I constantly do. I mean, how many of you have felt that before, right? If we're just being honest. It is, it's this human nature that, that, that kicks in and we, we, we drift away from being devoted. And Solomon understood this where we're in this constant battle of feeding ourselves and, and feeding our own will, Solomon says, God, we, we want your presence in our life and we want to be devoted to your will. But we know that we can't do that on our own. Matter of fact, the, the next request plays right into this. Look at verse um, 59. He says this, May my words with which I made my petition before the Lord be near to the Lord our God day and night. May he uphold his servant's cause and the cause of his people Israel as each day requires. What is he asking for? He's, he's asking God to help them with their daily needs. And he's praying, God, like you know our desire, you know the things that we need, help us with this. But I love the order in which Solomon is praying. He prays first for God's presence in their life. He then prays, God, give us a devotion to do your will. Then he prays, God, here's what we need, help us with this. Most of the time, we switch those two things things up, don't we? Where we pray, God, here's what I need, or here's what I want. Here's my desire. Your presence is awesome, but this is what I want. Make it happen. Oh, and do you want me to go to church this Sunday because the weather's really nice, and I'd really like to just go to the lake right now. A lot of times we switch those two things up, where we're more focused on, on our will and our needs. Now, let me just take a, a break for a second. Listen to me. God cares about you. God 100% loves you, he cares about you, and your needs, and your wants, and your desires. He cares about those things. How do we know that? The Bible tells us so. Solomon, earlier in this chapter, said that God, everything that he promises is true, and he follows through. And one of the promises we know is that he says, cast all your cares and anxieties, your needs, the things that you're struggling with, cast those things on him. Why? Because he cares for you. And so it's not like God doesn't care about you. He loves you. He knows your struggle. He knows your hurt. That's why he wants you to focus on his presence because everything in the presence of God makes things better, I promise you. His presence just makes things better. At the same time as God cares for you and your desires and your ambitions and your goals, God's concern is that your heart is centered on him above everything else. And a lot of times our concerns, our needs, our wants, our desires, our emotions, our struggles, sometimes if we're not careful, those things will step over our desire to ask God, what is your will for my life? God, not, not your will be done, but my will be done. If we're not careful, we can get those two things switched up. And that's why Solomon is praying this prayer, God, you know, God, we want your presence. What is your will? Give us a burden and desire to be obedient. And God, also help us with your needs. And, and if we're not careful, we'll, we'll cross those things up. And my friend Paul wrote a book and, and he quotes someone that says this, God doesn't want to endorse your life. He wants to direct your life. God doesn't want to endorse your life. He wants to direct your life. 
And so if we're not careful, what we can do is go, God, your presence is awesome. I love you. I'll pray. I'll read. I'll go to church. But I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to chase these goals, these ambitions. Here's my needs. Please meet those. And then I'll ask you of, of your will for my life. And, and, and if you're like me, what I tend to do, just being open with you guys, I tend to run so fast, so forward in, in whatever mission and goal that I have that I will forget to even see, Lord, is this something that you even want me to be doing? I'll get there and ask God, God, I kind of dug myself into a hole. Can you please get me out of it? When the whole thing is if we focus on the daily presence of God in our life, let him guide and direct us, he'll drive us to do his will and also meet the needs as his will seems fit. If you're with me, say I'm with you. So it's important that we see this order of which we're not focused on writing my story, but God, how, how, can, I con how can I continue to write your story here on this earth? For I'm not focused on building Donnie Delacruz's kingdom but focus on how can Donnie Delacruz continue to build the kingdom of God here in Conway, Arkansas. I, I love this order because what happens is what we focus on and what we are devoted to really determines what mission we live our life on. The things that we focus on, the things that we're de um, devoted to shows you exactly what mission you're truly on. And, and this plays out in the rest of his prayer. Look at verse 60 with me. He says, may all the peoples of the earth know that the Lord is God, that there is no other. I mean, this is Solomon's mission-minded prayer request that the people of Israel, his kingdom, him being a king, that God would use those things as tools to let the rest of the world know God is the one and only true God. See, we've got to remember what Josh talked about last week, that they are in a pagan society where every God is accepted. Every religion is accepted. You want to believe that? Awesome, go for it. And Solomon's like, no, no, no. Uh -huh. I want to make sure that the world knows there is only one God, and it's the true God of heaven. And guys, listen, that mission thousands of years ago hasn't changed today. It hasn't. Your mission, my mission, is the same exact mission to let the world know Jesus Christ is king. There is no other. Matter of fact, you guys know the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Jesus tells his disciples and he tells us, it's this promise that we have, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of what? All nations, the whole world. Share the gospel with them. Share the good news with them. Let them know I am the king that there is no salvation outside of me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to be devoted to the things that I've commanded you. And remember, faithful promise, I am with you always. And if that wasn't enough of a promise and a, a, and a mission, fire you up in Acts 1.8, he says that when the Spirit falls on you, when you surrender your life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit now becomes a, a home within you, Jesus says, you will receive power. That, that Greek word is this explosive, dynamite kind of power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit makes his home within you. And you will be my witnesses to the whole ends of the earth. Y'all, listen. That is your life's purpose right there. Your life's purpose is to make Jesus known to those around you. It's as simple as that. 
and, and your careers, your family, your marriages, your kids, your hobbies, your talents, your finances, that truck, your boat, the house, all the things that God has blessed you with, those things aren't the mission. They're tools that God has graced you with to accomplish the mission of making people known through you. It just as Solomon's kingdom was a tool that God gave him to make the world know God is the one true God, God has blessed you with things to be on mission for him. And a lot of times if we're not careful, those things will all of a sudden become the mission. And like I said earlier, what we're devoted to will eventually show us what mission we're actually on. If you're with me, say I'm with you. Y'all listen, we, we, we live in this culture where there is a full-blown attack on the gospel where it's offensive to say that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And we have to stand firm in that. We have to stay devoted to that. Because there is no other name by which someone can be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. He is the king. He is the king. And so what, the question that we have to ask ourselves as, as, as a second fam, right? I'm, I'm in this with you. This is something all week long I've been asking myself. How focused are we? How, how actively are we pursuing? What plans are we making towards being on mission for God? Like how, how are you actively trying to share the gospel with those around you? Because lovingly, like, we have to understand that this is an actual command from Jesus. So if we're not actively trying to share our faith with other people, then we are disobeying that command. And disobeying, no matter what it looks like, is sinful. And Solomon knows, like, man, if we're going to be successful, we're going to make an impact in this world, it has to start with God's presence in our life. We have to be focused on his will above everybody, everything else. We do have to give him our needs because we need his help, and we need to be about the mission of God. And so, like, lovingly, we have to look in those areas, how devoted are we to pursuing God? Are we pursuing God daily through prayer and, and, and in the word and silence and solitude? How active are you asking God, God, is this your will for my life? Do you have needs that you are not offering up to God or, or sharing with community? And are you actively pursuing making Jesus known? Like second fam, listen, if, if there's an area in, in one of those spaces that you're, that you're like, man, I know I'm not doing those things. Solomon earlier on in this chapter talks about this word repentance. And, and it's a church word that if you grew up in the church, you know this word. But if you didn't grow up in the church, it's, I, I was trying to make it as simple as I possibly can. Um, in, in the Christian faith, we believe that repentance equals salvation. Repentance is that you're going in one direction and that direction being, I'm chasing my own will. Wherever, whatever this looks like, this, whether it be um, my, my pride in building my name or whatever this may look like, this, this is sinful disobedience, rebellion to God. And what Solomon says earlier on, it says that all of us do that. He, he prays and says, God, we, we all have sinned, right? Repentance is I, I know I'm walking deliberately in my own will, my own way, in my sin, rebelling against God. Repentance is, but 
I know that there is a different way. And that way is Jesus Christ. So repentance looks like I'm leaving this old way behind and now I'm now following Jesus Christ. We believe as Christians that that moment when we repent and we surrender, Jesus, you are the Lord, you are the King, I surrender to you, you're the boss of my life, forgive me of my sins. We believe that that right there gives you salvation because that's what the Bible teaches us. However, I think what happens is we believe that once we've done that, whatever part of our life we made that decision, that repentance is no longer needed. And y'all, that's the biggest lie the enemy can tell you. Repentance starts your relationship with Jesus. Your salvation is secure. The Bible says there's nothing that can pluck you from the Father's hand. Praise God. But that repentance, daily walking in repentance, is what keeps your heart focused on God's presence in your life, his will for your life, your needs being met through the Father, and you being on mission. Walking in daily repentance is what focuses you to be on mission. The gospel transforms you instantly. It's amazing how, how gos- the gospel transforms you. Repentance keeps your heart and mind focused on walking with Jesus. If you're with me, say I'm right here. I'm gonna bring Bailey out, and this is how we'll, we'll end the sermon. A devoted life leads to a Christian who is empowered by the Spirit of God, chasing the will of God, and being an effective tool for the mission of God. And so my question that we're, I want us to answer right here specifically to the Christians in here, my brothers and sisters, does your life look like a, uh, 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 like, like a Christian who daily repents and is focused on the mission? Does, does your life look like a Christian who is on mission and devoted to God? If it is, praise God for that. But maybe you can look at one of those areas where maybe the area of, of seeking God's presence daily through prayer and scripture and, and, and silence and solitude, maybe that area of your life is, it hasn't been um, the word devoted. Where time and family and, and life has made you so busy that, man, you, you really haven't sat in the presence of God in a while. If that's true, then... Believers, I'm going to ask you to repent today of that. Or, or maybe in the, the second request that Solomon prayed for, maybe um, you have kind of switched things around where you have been more focused on your needs and your will and your concerns and your emotions that you haven't even, you haven't really asked God, God, what is, what is your will for me through this situation? You're just asking God to endorse your life or to fix it without asking God, God, what's your will for my life? If that's you, brother or sister, listen, like, let's, let's repent of that. But maybe, maybe that's not you. Maybe those two things are pretty solid, right? Where, where you're in the presence of the, of the Spirit. You're in Scripture. You're in prayer. You come and you worship with the second fam. You're in community. You, you, you do seek God in His will. You're, you're being led by the Spirit. But the area of being on mission for God and sharing the gospel Either you've never done that or, man, it's been a long time since you've actually, you actively have shared your faith. Brother, sister, like, listen, if you get these things right and you fail to try and share your faith, you missed it. 
you missed it. And like my heart's, like I, I promise, this is not preaching at you. This is my, my prayer for myself and my prayer for you is that you would live out your true purpose in life using the things that God has given you to share the gospel with others. Don't miss the biggest purpose of your life, knowing God and making him known to everyone around you. Don't miss it. It is the biggest blessing you will ever receive sharing the gospel with someone. Not doing that is disobedience. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.